Hi, I'm Sarah Gross, host of the Women's Performance Podcast. And I'm Molly Herford, taking over this feed for a five-episode series called The Business of Fitness, where we're exploring all things athletic industry-related through the lens of women who are kicking ass in their professions. Hey, Molly. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? It's going great. I am so excited to be starting this new project with you. Yay. I know. Oh my gosh. It's just the perfect melding of everything that I'm so excited to talk about all day, every day. Yeah, for sure. So we, a couple months ago, at least a couple months ago, time's in a weird warp still for me, but we, you came to me with this idea and it fit in so well with some of the things that we're doing with the Outspoken Summit this year as well um, of starting a new podcast and so here we are announcing the first episode. Um, tell us about th- this podcast. Yes. So we are here with the business of fitness. Um, and my my thought for this was there are so many people right now who want to get into the fitness industry, women in particular, who really want to get into whether it's the endurance sports side of things, whether it's starting their own podcast or a cooking company or, you know, becoming a dietitian or any of these things within the fitness space. Uh, we have so many amazing ideas, but then there are so many women in particular who are kind of struggling with like, okay, what are the, what are the first steps or even what are the, the second steps? Like I have the idea. I've maybe started the website. Where do I go from here? How do I get clients? How do I do bookings? How do I make this dream actually a legitimate reality? Um, and so you know, I've been interviewing people in this space for 15 years now. If we go back to when I first, oh gosh, more than 15 years, when I go back to when I first started as a journalist and, you know, I've kind of been in every different angle of the the fitness industry, working with brands, with magazines, uh, you know, writing books on this stuff, teaching yoga, coaching camps, coaching clinics, doing talks. That really is every side of what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you name it. And I've, I've done it and probably made a bunch of mistakes in the process. Uh, you know, whether we're talking about figuring out if you need an LLC in like the most practical sense, how to deal with tax prep and, oh, hey, what stuff can you deduct to, uh, you know, the, how do you post a podcast? Like, great, I've recorded these episodes. How do they actually go up on the internet? Um, And, you know, how do I, do I traditionally publish? Do I self-publish? You know, how do I get clients to show up to the yoga studio? Why am I alone in the yoga studio at 5 a.m.? Because no one is showing up to my 5 a.m. class as it turns out. So, uh, you know, this is, this whole idea kind of was born out of making a lot of these mistakes, hearing from other women that they want into the fitness industry, but there something is stopping them. And there are so many amazing women doing awesome things in the industry and just absolutely kicking ass. And I was like, what are their secrets? How are they doing this? Yes. Um, and yes. we're one of those women. So I, I also know, I know a lot of people who, you know, have started women who have started things and then get sort of get stuck somewhere. Right. And are looking for like, Hey, what's the next step or how do I, and I can really relate to getting stuck (laughs) too. So just the problem solving part of business, like how do I grow my social media? Some of the things you were saying, but like not even just off the start line, but even like two years in three years in, I think there's a lot of information that we can mine out of like various guests throughout this series. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I think what I love about you and I kind of coming together and figuring out how this is going to look is that you really come from it. Uh, we joke about from the more motivational, like believe in yourself, dreams can happen side of yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, and I come from like the, give me the to-do list app that you use and the exact way that you're doing this. I am so very much about the actionable, how we're going to you know, what app I'm going to use to write this stuff out kind of yeah. side. So I think uh, with our our powers and visions combined, we have this uh, this concept that is now very much like we're here to motivate you, to get you pumped up, to go after these dreams, but also here are the steps that you need to take to, to make those a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super excited. So we're starting uh, just as part of the Women's Performance Podcast, because we see this as a, you know, when we're looking at performance, this is a holistic whole life thing, yes. right? Like, yeah. I mean, when you started the Performance Podcast, I know, you know, we were kind of thinking, or you were thinking more athletic performance, but it's it's very quickly blossomed from there, like almost instantly. And I have to tell you, like the blossoming sort of natural to me, like even when we started that podcast, I was like, how long do I have to talk about specifically athletic performance before I can start like bringing in other things, you know? Um, so, and I think that like, and those things overlap. So what we learn, like what we learn from sport and in the fitness world and overlaps into how we do business or overlaps into how confident we feel moving into new spaces or what all of those things. So I just don't think we can tear that, like pull those things apart. I think they're all part and parcel of one thing. So I, I, I love like, and and, you know, I know I've said this to you before. I often say this to my team, but like, I think there's so many podcasts out there that are uh, male led for lack of like, you know, that, around this concept of like how we can be um, better humans, you know, and, and one week they might have on like a longevity expert, you know, and the next week they have on someone who's talking about a very precise way to balance your testosterone. And then the next week, you know, it, and it's this variety of topics. And so I think, I think there's a bit of a lack of that in the in women's space. Right. And I'd like to speak into that space, whether that's like across topics that relate to like business, health, wellness, sport, culture, mm-hmm. all of the things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when when we started, my husband and I have our coaching company and podcast, The Consummate Athlete. And a big part of that is respecting that people have these busy, driven, active lives that they're leading outside of sport. And how can you know, how can you talk about training without talking about whole life, right? If you're completely slammed at work and you've been, you know, you have a big business presentation on Friday, but your goal races on Saturday, how is that actually going to work out for you? How can you make that work? If you have them on separate calendars and you never think about them overlapping, but they do. And, you know, the same thing is true here. Like as we're talking about this, this business within the fitness industry, I think we're going to hear from a lot of people who are going to laugh about how much less they've gotten to ride or run or do the thing now that they're doing the thing professionally. But, you know, really like we want to excel at our business and, you know, really make the most out of it because we want to have the time, the ability to do all of the other stuff we love as well. Mm -hmm. I started, I've started doing this thing in the morning. Um, it's just kind of relates and it was just coming up in my mind. So I'll, like where instead of, cause I was getting, you know, sometimes in a to-do list, you can get kind of bogged down or some mornings, like I know my to-do list is there, but I have this like 
I like, like squirm away from it kind of. I cringe. I don't want to look. Um, and so I started doing this thing in the morning where I, I sit down and I go, what does success look for, look like for me today? Right. And then it includes all of the things. Like it's not just the to-do list. It's like at work, I would like to accomplish this and this. And I like to spend time with my daughter and I'd like to be kind to as many people as I can. <laughs> like it's, it can include any of the things I want to, I want to work out and I want to get the best of that that part of my day, you know, and then I can kind of, even if I don't write it down, at least I've like got this mental map then that I can work into the day. And I think a lot of people work like that, whether they do it intentionally uh, by sitting down and writing a success list or not. I think that's that, like, that's a real part of how we live. Oh my gosh. Well, it's very funny because uh, despite the fact that we come at things very uh, tactically differently, we both do the exact same thing in the morning. So amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Great minds. Yep. Molly, it's true. Yep. Minds. I write out a few sentences of like what today is going to look like. <laughs> Mine might have a little less to do with kindness to strangers, to be totally honest. <laughs> but now that you've said it, I'm like, ah, crap. Like, I have to add that. I, I better put that on. Better put that on there. Um, Amazing. And practically speaking, uh, this this first uh, set in this series, we're going to run a few episodes on the Women's Performance Podcast. And if you like these, please, please make sure you let us know um, over on our Instagrams, leave ratings and reviews, get in touch via email. Just, you know, we'd love to hear from people like what they what they want to get out of the series, if they're enjoying it, uh, who they'd want to hear from, if there are any uh, areas of business that they'd want focused on, because we can definitely make that happen. And as we sort of navigate what this is going to look like. Um, totally. And, you know, obviously we're going to be starting out with some of our, you know, most loved people here at Feisty Media. So this episode, the starting episode is actually going to be with Sarah all about podcasting because, I mean, how could we not start with that? Uh, but we have, you know, quite a few guests lined up to, to come after that. So definitely, uh, definitely let us know, you know, what you think of it. Yeah, for sure. That's really important because if, if everyone loves this podcast, so I'm basically handing over this feed to Molly for the next five weeks. <laughs> and I'm, yay. Um, I'm sure no one will complain about that. Um, and definitely let us know what you think, because if we love it, we'll, we'll carry on um, while I have a chance to regroup and, and, <laughs> and figure out what we're doing with the rest of the women's performance podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, let's get into this. We're going to take a quick pause here, and then we're going to come back with me as the interviewer and Sarah as the interviewee. Okay. So now we're, we're shifting gears. We're going into the interview. I am now officially the interviewer and you, Sarah, are officially the interviewee. So welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I just like just changing my hat. Yep. Yep. Figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the the first thing I actually wanted to to play with you is this game that I want to play with everyone that comes on this podcast. Expectation. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I didn't prep you for this. You did not warn me about a game. I did not. Yeah. I want to play expectation versus reality. So when you first thought you were, you were planning to start this podcast, what expectation did you have for it? How did you picture your life turning out or how did you picture the podcast going and then hit us with what the the reality has been? Wow. Okay. Um, versus reality. That's so hard. Okay. So first of all, (laughs) first of all, it's, it was like my original 
seed. I was always like, keep your dreams broad enough so that you'll definitely get there because there's 20,000 different paths you can get there. So I think my dream was around media company, quote unquote, and I was willing to take or having like a big enough influence to be able to have a voice in a cultural narrative. Like that's basically my goal. So, and I don't think we're there yet. Right. So, uh, but five years ago versus reality, I think we, we actually, I was stunned by how fast we grew. Like not to be, but I just said, I knew I was rolling the dice on something that was, you know, I don't know what percentage I would have given it on being successful, you know, and I don't know what I would have called success or failure. Like I didn't, itemize any of those things. Right. But I just, thought, I just thought, yeah. So I think my expectation was that it might stay, that there was a very good chance that it was going to stay a part-time gig potentially into forever. Um, and then, and I did not expect to be able to step back from some of the original podcasts that we launched so quickly. Uh, and then reality was that like, for whatever reason, this isn't about me. I just, you know, we just managed to attract, like the, in the way of the universe, if you will, attract certain people by, you know, talking about what we were doing and attract certain ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of spun upwards faster than I expected. I love that. I love that. that. And I think the the talking about what you're doing is something I want to come back to as we're going to talk about your ability to grow communities so quickly, because I think that's something that a lot of people who want to start a podcast don't actually think about when they're kind of initially putting the idea together. And even when they've gotten started with the podcast, I think there's a lot of people who have one, but never actually tell anyone about it necessarily. Right. <laughs> Great point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To to me, as I was thinking about the whole narrative of starting a podcast, because um, obviously both of us have been doing this podcasting thing for a few years now. I think yeah. when uh, when I first thought about starting The Consummate Athlete, my, ori- my current and original podcast, um, I kind of expect my expectation was a little bit more uh, Instagrammy or Pinterest worthy where I had this beautiful studio and, uh, you know, really nice, like cool audio equipment and blah, blah, blah. And the reality is more often than not, we're like recording in closets. Yeah. (laughs) I think mine was a lot less uh, aesthetic than I maybe uh, anticipated it being, we'll say. Yeah. That's funny. You know, I, I listened to, did you ever listen to the podcast startup? Ooh, no. Should I? It's it's essentially a, a guy, the guy who started Gimlet, the podcasting oh, okay. company that I think recently sold to Spotify. I could have that wrong. Um, but he basically made a podcast about creating a podcast company. And so I listened to this whole thing. And he that's like he got he went out and got the VC funding. You know, he had, I think he had like two million in funding to begin with. He he had this episode about putting together this beautiful studio. And I remember having a moment like do I need to do that? (laughs) You know, but then everything I read and everything I saw on social media, even the, some of the ways social media got shared is I'm like, you know, some of this, some of the more raw content, that's a little bit less quote unquote pro uh, does almost does better sometimes, you know? And I just thought we don't really need that. You know, so I haven't really had, you know, like, I love it. I, I do have a studio, a vision of the studio. Cause right now, like you'll hear it. If you haven't already, the seagulls and everything still in my, I have a better microphone now, but I don't, don't have any soundproofing stuff like that. So I do have still a vision of a beautiful studio where we record perfectly sounding podcasts. <laughs> It'll always be the dream, <laughs> but mm-hmm. okay. Let's, let's recap though. Let's go back 
you know, what was the first podcast you started? How did it get going? Just give us sort of the quick rundown of the last, you know, few years in this space, just so people who haven't been with you the whole journey kind of have a quick idea of from there to here. Yeah. So I started super small. I was actually doing an internship at another media company where I produced a podcast called Iron Women. Right. And then I think at that time, I might have been doing it by myself, or I might have had Alyssa Gadeski, who's still the, the host on that show, uh, one of the hosts co hosting with me. So when I left that internship, they let me take the show with me. Um, and so I, I sort of thought at the time, I sort of thought if I can, if I can get one podcast off the ground, get a couple sponsors on it, then that's where I'm going to start. Like, I'm not going to worry about how we're all going to make a living, <laughs> you know, just yet. I'm just going to make one work. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I basically kind of used some of the relationships I had had with, with industry folks and kind of made that podcast. And when I say work, you know, I think, I think the first time around I charged a hundred dollars a month for podcast advertising. Mm-hmm. That was the size of our audience, you know? Um, so I made that one work. And then um, <clears throat> I hired quote unquote, which with that hundred dollars, <laughs> I hired um, another host for that podcast. Actually, I think she volunteered for a little while before we started to pay her as well. And then I started the other, the second podcast pretty quickly after that with Kelly O'Mara that, that still runs and I do now with Sarah True called If We Were Riding. And I had those two podcasts and a newsletter that Kelly wrote out of the goodness of her heart um, for for at least a year, you know? Oh, man. What happens if you get laryngitis? Does everything just completely <laughs> cease to be? Everything shuts down. Yeah. Luckily, that never happened. But yeah, you, when you think about it like that, you think at every stage of business, right? You think you have to sort of think what would happen if this person's out and we've had to deal with it a lot this summer with people on holidays at different times. And then you really realize the value of the various people on your team. But um, yeah, I guess if I'd got laryngitis, I don't know, we would have been replaying an episode. Right? <laughs> That's for sure. So with, uh, with Iron Women and if, uh, with, if we were writing, what kind of questions were you asking yourself to get these going? Were you thinking about what are people looking for? Where are the gaps in the podcast market? Like what questions did you ask yourself as you kind of came up with these ideas? Yeah. um, Great question. Yeah. I think I, I was less looking at the podcast market overall, although lots of people used to tell me lots of stats and stuff, (laughs) but I was more looking at the, the specific niche I was working in. Right. So I knew from being a triathlete myself, the ways in which Um, women were underserved in the triathlon market. So I think that was specifically what I was leaning into rather than I really even, I mean, even now I don't really, but I didn't really have any knowledge of podcasting. I didn't do a course about podcasting. I didn't know about podcast market. You know, I, I didn't know any of those things broadly. I just talk to a specific community that was my community and my people. So in Iron Women, we interview um, the pro women, a lot of the pro women or, or, you know, influential women in triathlon. And on if we were riding, it was just essentially just Kelly and I shooting the shit about, it's like two friends talking as if they're on bikes, right? Which is something, again, like we don't, and the people who listen to that podcast still, like they just wanted something to go running they want someone to go running with them. It's like they're running with their friends or they're biking with their friends in their ears. I right? love that. 
Yeah. And so I kind of had a sense of that. So that's, and then if I'm going to take anything tangible or that I learned out of that, like, I think we accidentally did the right thing by being so niche and being willing to be niche about what we were doing and not shooting for the stars in the first instance, you know, like I'm going to change the world with one podcast. It's like, I'm going to just talk to my people, (laughs) you know? Well, I think that's a huge thing is like talking to your people, not trying to talk to like who you think your people should be or who you think the bigger audience is or who you think Mm -hmm. your people, you you want your people to be. It's like, no, no. Who, who are your people right now? Like, where are they? Um, And I think podcasting actually like, I don't know if it was planned or not, but is sort of the perfect avenue for these very busy, very accomplished women. Because as you just said, like, we're just going on a run. Like they're coming, <laughs> you're coming along for the run because that's mm-hmm. for me, like that's when I have time to listen to or like input new information. I can't, I never sit and watch videos, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I I need to be listening to the stuff on the run. Uh, that's how I get yeah. my information. So I think you you kind of hit you met people where they are as you, you came up with the channel or the the way you were doing it, the podcast, and then who you were talking to worked very yeah. well. That's exactly, you know, and I think sometimes we're afraid to, if we're afraid to start too small because it might not be, it might not be as monetizable or something like that, but actually reaching a big audience or an audience that's in the distance from you is really difficult. Uh, and so that was, and also the other thing I, I definitely remember asking myself and I think is worth asking is like, where's my, where's my point of leverage, right? Like who, if I just stuck a thing on my Instagram right now that says I'm starting a podcast, who would listen, right? And like talk to those five people, (laughs) right? Or whoever they are, like, don't be worried about the size of the audience, but like, who do you have right now that you could talk to who would go, oh, that was a really cool episode and share it with their friends. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of leads into even just like the the monetizing and going after sponsors and advertisers, right? Because if you're trying to kind of reach this really large audience, then who who is going to sponsor you? Like, who are the people you, you want to bring in? But if you have this niche that has this specific set of needs, like that's actually a much more valuable proposition for a sponsor, for an advertiser than... I talk to people. <laughs> no, I talk yeah. to busy women triathletes. Like that is a very specific group. That is a group that, you know, we understand what they need and, you know, how to, how to talk to them and how to market to them. Um, yes, exactly. And you need to, as, as the host of the show, like you need to understand how to, you know, how to sell to those people too. And the product has to line up with that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it all has, it all has to line up together. You can't just throw, <laughs> I mean, you can throw eggs in the wall if you want, but. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So with, with all of the podcasts, when have you started monetizing? Was that always sort of going on in your, in your head as you thought about starting the show or was that kind of a quick thing you got into or was it a slow ramp up? Yeah. So I got, I, I want to say it's luck, but it's not anyone could do this. I think I got, I got a business mentor through um, a women's, entrepreneurship program here in Canada. And she was amazing. She ran a bicycling magazine in Vancouver. And she, one of the things she said to me in one of our first calls, like we were talking about, you know, just trying to figure out the sponsorship thing. And she said she had put uh, brands on some of her, like some of like on her, she, she did mostly web stuff. So she had made, made ads for brands for free. Um, sometimes if she was going off after another company, 
So let's say like you want to, you, you, you know, you would serve, or she would say, I would do a really low priced, if I had to put a low price point on an advertising package um, so that you can let everybody know what you're capable of in terms of advertising. And that will bring in other companies. Oh, that is so, so smart. Yeah. I never, I actually never got to the point of free. I don't think, I think I did a couple of times. I did ads in exchange for um, goods or, or an affiliate kind of program, which <laughs> never makes a ton of money, but I, unless you have a huge audience, but you know, for that same reason to be able to show other brands, what, what you can do. Um, so we would do, but from the beginning, you know, I sat, like I said, I did some contracts that were $50 a podcast, you know, it's barely worth your time to write the contract. <laughs> it's just like, but you, you're, you're learning and you're practicing something um, and you're learning how to work with companies and it's, and I'm so glad that I did that. Like just go through the process, even though it feels at the time, it's a bit soul sucking because you're like doing all this work and you're like, I just made $200. Great. Yeah. The one you're chasing the like $75 invoice, it definitely hurts <laughs> a little bit for sure. Um, yeah. But I think that's exactly it because then you can go to the next brand and say, I've had, you know, XYZ brands on this show and it's gone well, they're happy. Uh, it's sort of a, a win-win really like it, it. And yeah. And the other thing you get is some ROI numbers too, right? So you're like, okay, with this brand, we reached this number of people and, and they sold. Sometimes if the brand gives you a code, you have numbers, mm -hmm. like they have a, a direct return that you can show. And that's, um, yeah, that's super valuable when you're talking to the next brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, any tips on doing those like ad reads and stuff like that? Because I know it seems like such an easy thing until you sit down to actually do <laughs> the darn thing. And then you're staring into the microphone, into the abyss for, you know, hours trying to figure out how to phrase things or say things or sound casual. You start like questioning the sound of your own voice. <laughs> so how do you oh, do totally. it? Totally. Yeah, I, I have found, we still struggle with this because we have found it's so different. The expectations are so different for different companies, you know, and now that we're um, charging a bit more and a little bit more professional, like, there's an expectation there too. And so it's, it's, I've had everything from, you know, doing an ad where, you know, my co-host and I are just riffing and she ends up saying, this is one of the most effective ads too. She ends up saying that the goggles that were sponsoring us should have a loon detection feature because she was scared of loons when she swam in the open water. But I had, we've never heard back from so many people on that ad. So they would <laughs> associate, they start to associate like, and that's how we talked in the podcast, just like weird stuff all the time. And it totally worked. Whereas there are other brands who will give you an exact ad read and we'll say, I've heard back from France where like, she's, she said this one word instead of this word, can you change it? You know? <laughs> so, so we always have that conversation first. Like, what is the expectation of the, uh, of, like, of the company first? And then, you know, and then I actually find it pretty easy to read off of a paper. Mm -hmm. Um, so once I know that I'm like, okay, this company's fine. If I just, I did, I did three ads yesterday. The first one, I just talked off the top of my head right, about the relate, actually about the relationship I have with the company. Right. The second one, I kind of talked off some talking points. And the third one, I had everything written out. And that was because we knew what those brands wanted. 
So I like it. Yeah. Just making sure you know the exact parameters of what they want from you is just so, so helpful. But yeah, it's funny. I find the conversational ones that are woven in, like those are the ones Mm -hmm. that I feel like do the best in terms of what people remember and what catches your attention. So I, yeah, personally, I don't understand why brands go any other way at this point, but yeah, like some brands don't want a goofy conversation about a loon detection feature, but I don't think, I think that's, if I was a marketing person there, I think that's the wrong choice personally. I mean, but. I'm going to be thinking about that for the next day. So they get like a freebie yeah. right here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll say too about um, monetizing just before we move on is like, if you are someone who's doing a podcast because you run a coaching company, I mean, you'll have um, experience with this too, or if you have some kind of services that you're selling like writing we put our own ads in as well so like we have the outspoken summit coming up so we have an ad we have an ad coming out now that's going to go on all the podcasts for the outspoken summit and so that stuff that's easier too right because like you know your own stuff you're the brand you're working with right and then it just makes sure that you're reminding your audience every single week what the other things are that you're doing too definitely For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedda's.com and it will all be in the show notes. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. 
how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Speaking of the Outspoken Women's Conference... (laughs) Well, speaking of that, honestly, I mean, that is the reason we even thought about starting this podcast. That's a big part of Mm -hmm. what got us both excited about this topic Mm -hmm. um, is this idea of bringing women together to get to talk about these more business sides of the fitness industry that, you know, we we all have found ourselves in here. Uh, So give us a little plug. Tell us a little bit about the summit while we're here. 
Um, okay, so this year, so we've had in 2018 and 2019, we had the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit, and that was all about women's leadership in triathlon and kind of moving the dial to get more women at all different levels in triathlon, like from race directors to federation leadership, industry leadership, people running their own businesses, coaching, etc. Um, and so this year, we're expanding it into endurance sport more broadly, and we're actually talking to the business side more specifically. Right. So we have at the, the conference is going to be amazing at the, we have a lot of practical skills around how you could actually build your business, like from social media to a topic like this, like how you actually create the podcast in terms of a podcast in terms of how you like using GarageBand, like the actual nuts and bolts or, or whatever you're going to use for your editing tool, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that kind of practical advice for business building, um, as well as the like the leadership focus that we've had in past years, which is like, that's the kind of stuff I love. Like I'm a, I like a broad thinker. So um, I love hearing from different people about, you know, in the past we've had Yvonne Spencer talking about being the first, like she was the first African-American woman in certain army positions. Like, and she was the first 12 different times in her career. And she talked about that. Um, so I'm excited to have everyone back in person, first of all, and to have that bigger community of women who want to continue to like have who want to be leaders themselves and who are leaders and who also want to continue to build women's leadership in endurance sport. I love that. And I really do appreciate the two sides of it, this more esoteric, more motivational side, but then the very nitty gritty side. And since, yeah. since you mentioned garage band now, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that you no longer do the editing for the podcast, but I also know that you did the editing at first. So for someone mm -hmm. who wants to start a podcast, I know they can hop on Fiverr or any one of these things and just send away the audio files and get the podcast uh, put together, put out all of that if they want to. Do you think there is value, though, in learning some of the editing, all of like the uploading, figuring out the podcast host, all of that jazz? I do. I think there's a lot of value in that. Like, I love the fact that now in my business, I know how to do everything, even though everyone who's who's doing those jobs do it 10 times better than I ever did. But it's important to have, from where I am now, it's really important for me to have an, some kind of understanding of, of what has to happen. So I'm really glad that I, I didn't even consider getting someone else to edit it. And also it's, I love, I love editing. It's creative, you know, and I want the podcast to sound how I want it to sound. <laughs> I don't really want to send it away to someone who doesn't understand the content who I just grabbed off of Fiverr. Um, I don't know. Do you edit your own podcast? I do actually. Yeah, we yeah. still do. And honestly, I don't know that I would have it any other way at this point. And maybe it's partially because I'm a little bit of a control freak, but there are just kind of these little small things where it's, you know, if we have a pro on and she or he mentions the wrong brand by accident because they just got a new sponsor and switched brands, like I can go in and make that edit. Um, mm. probably better than if I had to try to tell someone like, oh, I think around minute 10, they said, you know, Garmin when they meant lasagne or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I find that easier and a little less stressful because then I'm not worried and I don't have to recheck the edits. <laughs> so maybe that's where mm. the control freakness comes in. Uh, also, to be honest, you know what? I listen to a lot of podcasts and even some of the bigger ones where I know they have an editor 
sometimes the editors actually mess up pretty badly and it's like <laughs> no one catches it. So right. maybe that's like partially my, my neuroticism is uh, <laughs> just very nervous about that happening. Um, but I'm also lucky that uh, my husband handles all of the uploading side of things. So I don't have to do all of that. I just have to edit the files. So we do have it right. split that's into good. categories here. Yeah. Even then we have, you know, there's, we just moved onto a platform where there's dynamic ads, which means that the ads update back through all the episodes. So do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for currently, whoever our current sponsor is gets all the episodes from the beginning, their ads. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Then they get more that that sponsor gets more bang for the buck basically. And you don't have old ads just stuck with old discount codes and stuff like that into episodes. Um, anyway, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. And then there's like some glitches happen. Like, so we had a glitch happen. people. I got these messages that were like, Hey, at minute 11 of this podcast, there's a big blank spot. Right? It's like, Oh, so Daisy, the dynamic ad isn't playing over there. So we had to go in and fix. So it's still stuff still happens. Oh, I think stuff happens no matter what there, there was one, this is like a really embarrassing one. I was like, uh, recording at my in-laws. And at one point my mother-in-law came in and like had a conversation with me and I completely forgot <laughs> to edit it out. And someone was like, love that chat with your mother-in-law. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So it happens. It's, it's real life. Real it's life. Real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So in, in your years of doing this, have on the note of making mistakes, uh, have you made mm-hmm. any or had to pivot anything or done anything that looking back, you're like, oh, I would have done that differently. Right. Okay. I made a few notes about this because <laughs> it's like pivots and mistakes are kind of different or maybe they're the same. I don't know. Um, I think my, my miss, the biggest mistake I think that I've made, and this is not just about podcasting, right. But is about as a, as a leader, sometimes I'm not clear enough when I'm saying something that might be perceived as negative. Does that make sense? So, so meaning like you soften things too much because you're afraid of going too negative or the opposite? I, okay. It's almost, it's, it's like this. I'm not afraid of going negative and I genuinely see things in a positive sense. So I tend to give, it's like very a genuine thing. I tend to give feedback in a way that's like, okay, I think what we could learn here is this and this and this, right? And I've realized for some people's communication style. They take away from every conversation that everything is wonderful. They're great and carry on, right? When I've thought that I communicated, okay, we could learn to do this better. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And that's like genuinely how I communicate. And I have had to learn that some people don't hear that unless they're being told more directly no, stop doing that that way. <laughs> do, it, do it this way, which doesn't, I don't have to communicate very often, but every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't draw the line in the, this, this line in the sand wasn't kind of grooved in deep enough. Um, and so that's kind of something that's sprinkled through. That's not specifically to do with podcasting, um, but just what I was trying to think through like mistakes. And I was like, oh, that's it. Like the that. thing I will say with podcasting specifically, one thing I will say is that one of the best things we did was pivot when we pivoted and went outside of triathlon, you know, and we talked at the beginning about being niche. So like I learned all these lessons in triathlon 
in, tri- in when I say in triathlon, I mean in building a triathlon brand. So we built a triathlon brand called Feisty Triathlon. We have three podcasts that run sort of through that brand. Um, and we have sponsors of that brand, but I have not managed to figure out a good digital product or something. We haven't really been able to figure out what that community really needs, you know? So that brand is kind of, it covers its costs. (laughs) It's like, it's fine. Right. But it's not in terms of, of having a growing business, it's not a necessarily a place of growth for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually seeing the opportunity, the opportunities outside of triathlon and, and jumping into them was scary, but a really good, you know, really good. And also keeping that because our super fans, like the people who've been with feisty and followed our journey from the beginning, a lot of them come from triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so c- continuing to create value for that community is important, even though sometimes it's like, you know, it's, it's still kind of difficult from a business perspective. Yeah. Right. And I understand, like, I'm like, I'm in there every day. Like, I understand why it's been harder to build a women's community in triathlon than it has been saying gravel cycling, because in triathlon, there's a hundred different women's communities and there's lots of things to choose from, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah. So in terms of like a pivot, like actually taking that jump and going, okay, we're going to, pull ourselves away from everything that I know <laughs> and, and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think you kept like a, a pretty strong through line. So even though, yes, we're going outside of that women's triathlon niche, we still kind of kept it like you kept it in women's endurance sport. So it's not so much that you like completely 180 to men's mahjong or something uh (laughs) you kept it very much still in your wheelhouse as it were (laughs) totally one of the the, one of the first things we did was outside triathlon was the menopause brand Mm -hmm. and that's also why it was a little bit scary because it's like okay we're going to talk about menopause (laughs) just boldly and out there and all the things and we're going to kind of rebrand it and make it you know and, and make it bring like positive connotation to yeah. menopause. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, like we do have within that community, there is quite a lot, there are quite a few people who um, don't, wouldn't necessarily identify as endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. So that's been part of like the branching out, you know, but still quite a lot of cyclists and it's, you know, it's, it's a both end. Yeah. Yeah. Fitness adjacent people will say people who are at <laughs> least adjacent. like sort of interested in that sphere. Yes. Um, And I mean, I think all of that kind of comes down to this idea of community. And I mean, that's where part of your nerves would have come from with shifting away from triathlon, because that's the community that you created. That's been community has been a huge part. I mean, I would even Mm -hmm. venture to say it's a big part of why you started all of this in the first place. That's kind of how this all started. Um, And I think podcasts often can be done in this sort of vacuum where, like I said, at the beginning of this, you are doing the podcast in your closet. You're putting it out. You're not sharing it. It's just kind of, oh, yes, I have a podcast. Uh, no one listens to it. It's over here. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. you're confused why you're not in the top of the charts. Weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you've done an amazing job. I mean, bringing these conferences to real life and and virtually in the past couple of years, uh, you're doing a ton on social media. I think when I had you on my podcast a few months ago, I asked how the heck you had time or like, energy to deal with TikTok. So there, there was that. Um, like you're doing all these reels and I don't understand how you have the 
the creativity to do that when you're doing so many other things. So, I mean, how, how have you leveraged all of these other platforms to bring awareness to the podcast? And I mean, is that a big part of why the podcasts are thriving? Do you think? I do. I do. So I think a couple of things are coming to mind there. I'm just kind of jotting them down. So don't forget them. But like one thing, cause people ask me this a lot with every new podcast, you have to create a feedback loop with your audience right? And pr- preferably more than one feedback loop. So that might be like an associated Facebook group. That's a private group where people can, you drop the podcast in when it comes out every week, people can talk about the podcast there. Um, what we do on some of them. So for example, Iron Woman has a mailbag. So you write an email to an email address, you get your questions answered. You know, these are typical things that podcasts do, but you've then created a conversation with your people on, if we are writing, we do voice memos. So anyone can send us a voice note and we play like almost hundred percent of them every once in a while. I, it's just me screwing up that, I, <laughs> that, I, that something slips through the cracks, but more or less we'll unedited play people's, you know, cause they're just adding to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's like at least one or two of those things. And then social media would be in that category too. Um, like creating a place where people can comment and talk about and where you can take the feedback to where it's like, okay, I think people want to hear about this topic or that topic. Um, So that's one thing that sounds really simple, but actually it's quite a bit of extra work. Um, And then another thing I heard at a social media conference really early, which I'm glad that I did was that someone just got on stage and said, however long it takes you to create a piece of content, you should spend that long pushing that content out. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So that's like, you know, and so few people do that. Right. And now I can see with the team and now that how everything's I'm like, oh, yeah, we do that now. But at the time it was like, like mind blown if I spend, you know, by the time I've recorded, edited, da, 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 if I spend four or five hours creating this podcast, like, what do I even do for four or five hours pushing it out on social? <laughs> That's a lot of pushing out of the podcast, right? But then it's, if once you get going with it and you're talking to people, you're sharing it in various different places, you're responding to all the comments, you know, once you get going, it can be time consuming. Yeah. Well, in my natural kind of pushback on that was like, oh my gosh, I already barely have time as it is. How am I supposed to make time for that? But it kind of comes back to if you want it to succeed, if you want it to work, like that's part of the game now. Again, you can't just mm-hmm. put it out and expect that people are going to magically find it somehow. Like that doesn't no happen. One find no one will find it. Exactly. The, the other um, thing I find people or the way people tend to think that I think is um, that I don't think necessarily holds is like that they're going to have big name guests on the podcast. And then that is somehow going to bring in people. I don't know. Yeah. You're shaking your head. <laughs> like that has not been my experience unless the guest is massive, right? Which how often, I mean, I don't have people that are massive. I don't have like the Oprah Winfrey's of the world on my podcast very often. Right. So like, and they don't, people who have say a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or whatever, they typically don't share it. Yep. Yep. That's the thing. There's like a sweet spot of, I, I think I've said before, it's like 10 to 25,000 followers uh, mm-hmm. where the people will still share the podcasts that they're on and be really excited about it, or at least mm-hmm. pretend to be really excited about it. We'll take it. Um, and then usually bigger than that, they don't actually reshare that often. So 
I think that, yeah, yeah you, you want to hit that sweet spot uh, as far as like looking for guests, uh, people that will actually share it. Although, I mean, I maybe that's a good topic that we can kind of touch on right now is, uh, you know, when you have a guest on, how are you kind of ensuring that they are sharing the the podcast and getting it out there? Yeah, we don't, you know, we've played around with this a lot. Like I have found, I've not found a, one strategy that works for everyone. So, you know, sometimes we send an email. We have one podcast where the guest always gets an email afterwards with all the shareable links and everything. Hardly anybody ever shares. Um, I think if you tag someone on social, it's more likely to then show up on their Instagram story or something like that. We started sometimes using the collab feature on Instagram with our video clips that we do, but still, still some people are like, they either, they either like don't collab it, right? Like, because they don't want to, or they don't know how to work the buttons, <laughs> you know, like, or someone else is doing the social and there's this disconnect between, you know, the message doesn't get down the line that like, yes, share this. Um, and then every once in a while you get a really nice surprise where you're, you know, with the person does share it. <laughs> so I, but I just think having guests share is not, shouldn't be the central strategy no. for growing a podcast. No, absolutely not. And especially because most of the time, pretty rarely do you have people that then come and stay. A lot of the time they come for that guest's podcast mm. and and that's it. Like maybe you catch a percentage of them, but they're there to mm-hmm. hear the guest, not to hear the podcast. So yeah, you're not going to capture everybody there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so that's all so many things that you have to do for like one podcast and you have a network of them. Uh, practically speaking, how are you keeping all of this on track? Like, where are you, what are you using to kind of stay organized to have that time to to sit on social and do the time spent actually putting out the podcast, making sure people hear about it, all of that? What are you using? Yes. Great question. So I, you know, I'm not someone who uses tools a lot. Right. So back in the day when I, I think I was, I was, I was fueled by passion alone. Like where I would sit for like 12 or 14 hours a day and just make sure that the podcast was out, that every comment was answered that, you know, like that fire of just wanting to get all that shit done, I think speaks to a lot. Right. So I think at that time I probably used I use Calendly to book guests. Um, We recorded on Skype back in the day, Um, but otherwise I didn't have a ton of tools. Uh, Now, one of the first, you know, you should hire to your weaknesses. So, you know, one of the first, I think maybe the third full-time person I hired was, um, is, is someone just to organize all the things, right? So now we use Google for business. And now we use, now we have all these organizational tools. We still have a lot of things in um, Google docs and in Google spreadsheets like, uh, that we, where we, how we organize our social media and stuff. Um, but I had to hire someone else to do that because that was not good. If it couldn't, if it couldn't stay in my brain, it was going to be too much for me. So I, do, I don't have any real secret. So my only secret is that like, if you're passionate about it and you love it, you'll just keep going. And seeing like 10 o'clock at night, to, to responding to emails about your podcast doesn't seem arduous. Right? I love it. I will say Calendly is one of the most useful booking tools that I have found. And mm-hmm. the nice thing with them now is they will actually make a Zoom link right within the Calendly. 
Uh, and Zoom now records on both audio channels, which is fantastic. Uh, so it makes editing so much easier. So for for new podcasters, like that's probably your easiest strategy is you know using Calendly to book, use Zoom to record, and there you go. You've got some easy files, no problem. Paying for both of the like premium subscriptions on them, I think, is well worth it. But both free versions totally work as well. So. That's yeah. that's I think my my top easy recommendation when it comes to like stuff to organize your podcast life. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. We had we had tried a bunch of things too. Like we had one podcast on Zencaster and then in different places, and we pulled everything back to Zoom, especially when we started doing now we've started doing video clips, multiple video clips for for reels from every podcast. And then you have that right on Zoom too. Mm-hmm. So so easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think whenever you can maybe bring all of your tools down, (laughs) because, you know, when you have Zencaster for over here, but Zoom is where most meetings are happening. And then some stuff's happening over here. It just gets so confusing with where everything is. So the simpler you can keep your list of what you're using, I think Mm -hmm. the better you are, you know, whether we're talking about podcasts or any other kind of business type thing, the simpler is definitely, definitely better. Awesome. Okay. Well, before we wrap up, um, I would say, where can everyone find you? But they can find you here. So that kind of, uh, (laughs) that sort of simplifies things even further, but let everyone know where they can follow you on, on all things social to maybe see how, see how it's done. (laughs) To see how it's done. Well, okay. I, uh, I'm Sarah at Sarah.gross on Instagram, Uh, but follow at feisty underscore media um on instagram that's our main instagram page everything else flows out from there we also have at feisty media on tiktok um and we started posting some stuff on linkedin too um so if anyone loves linkedin go over there and find us too um trying to to, because we're talking to the business world more so i like it from tiktok to linkedin (laughs) yeah you can exactly Amazing. Sometimes the same content. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And I'm so excited that we get to do this business of fitness series. This has been super fun and I'm really excited for what's next. Thanks so much for joining me for this first episode of the Business of Fitness podcast here on the Feisty Media Network. I'm so excited to have had Sarah Gross on for our first episode. And before we head out for the day, I just wanted to maybe mention a couple of the main conclusions I got from chatting with Sarah. Uh, The first thing is really just that leaning into your niche is so important. So instead of trying to please everybody or reach out to everyone, think about who it is exactly that you want to reach. Think about the conversations that you want to be having. Uh, Really think about what's going to make you feel like you're enjoying the whole thing. And, you know, the more you enjoy it, the more you're kind of creating something that's for you and for people just like you, I think that the more success you're going to have. And, you know, that's that's what Sarah's found. And eventually you can broaden it out, of course, and lean into other interests. But starting with that smaller niche is definitely the, the way to go. And the second thing, and I think really important, is whatever project you're starting, whether we're talking about podcasting or writing a book or all this stuff, it's so easy to get caught up in what software is going to be the best or, you know, what what website you need to use for this or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But really what Sarah was saying is the simplest thing tends to be what you're already using, right? So instead of using this fancy podcast device, we're using Zoom to record. Uh, Instead of having this huge expensive studio set up, 
you can just start in your closet or your bathroom or you know your your bedroom it doesn't have to be super fancy to be a really excellent product so don't think about all of the stuff you need or needing to wait to find just the right software. Just kind of get into it with the stuff you already have and you can always add stuff later. So hopefully this episode was helpful. And again, if you love this episode, definitely let us know over on social media, over in whatever podcast app you're listening to, leave us some ratings, reviews, and hopefully we can keep this running and tune back next week for how to write a book. All right, we'll see you soon.